been a while. If you don't remember who I am, my name is Chris Breton. I am the director of youth ministries here. And since Mike is gone, he's given me permission to go about an hour this morning. So we got Jimmy John's. Don't worry. They're freaky fast. We'll have food here by noon. It's, it's all good. Uh, but in all seriousness, this sermon, we're just really going to get a chance to, to look at it in an overview blimp type setting. Um, because there's so much, there's so much going on with God being loyal to his covenant, um, and then Solomon, the third king in the United Monarchy. It, there's just a lot of stuff going on. So if you haven't been here, we are in a sermon series called Honest to God, the Life of King David. And this is actually a bonus sermon because it's not actually David that we're going to be looking at. It is his son, King Solomon. And so we are in a period, does Michael stay on? We are in a period of kingship called the United Monarchy. And the United Monarchy began, if you remember, way back at the beginning of summer. We looked at King Saul and the prophet Samuel. And the people were crying out to Samuel, Give us a king! Give us a king! We want to be like the other nations. We want somebody to rule over us. And so obviously what they were doing was denying God's lordship over them and asking for a man to come and rule over them. And so he gave them kings. Whoa, hey, look at that. That was loud. Um, So he gave them three kings. And so we see King Saul, King David, and now King Solomon in this period. Um, And we will see that the kingdom will be ripped from King Solomon because of his iniquities. And so if, if real quick, I'd love to look at the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel 7. You don't have to flip there. But I just want to bring this to light as we get into the scriptures this morning. And so this is God's covenant with David. And he says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And so we see this covenant being renewed with King Solomon. And so I want to start this sermon off by saying, a life of prayer is the product of a hearing heart. A life of prayer is the product of a hearing heart. And so what if prayer is meant to be something much more than what we do before a sermon, than what we do before we eat, than what we do at night or when we wake up? What if prayer is actually the overflow of the condition of our hearts. And it's a tangible thing that we can measure our relationship with Jesus. How are you praying? Well, how's your heart? How's your heart with Jesus? How's your relationship with Jesus? And so prayer is worship. Prayer is giving thanks for who God is. Prayer is bringing our brokenness to God to be healed. Prayer is letting go of lordship and letting God be Lord of our lives. Prayer is essential to a relationship with Jesus. And so if it's cool with you guys, I would love to just brag on God a little bit um, and and to kind of tell you how he's been working in my prayer life recently. And I want to preface this by saying, this sermon is for me. This, this sermon isn't just me getting up on a, a mighty pedestal and saying, I've, I've got it figured out. I'm the best prayer in the world, and God always answers my prayers. 
because that is far from the truth. But I just want to give glory to God today and let you guys in on how God has been answering my prayers and been working in my life. And so we built the barn out there in November. And the very first night we had students in there, we were, there were like 30 or 40 students. And I had just large plans for this evening. We just got brand new lights. We had fog in that place. We had all these fun games planned, new sound system. Gail Garrison was going to lead worship for us, and she did, and it was awesome. But the power went out. You remember that? The power went out. And so all of a sudden, the leaders are looking at each other, and we're, we're calling Bob Simpson because he's the one who deals with all that stuff out there. And we're like, we have no idea what's going on. We have power in the back portion of the barn, but no power up front. We have no vocals. We have no projector, nothing. And so in my weekly conversation with Mike, I told him what had happened, and he, he asked me one simple question. He said, did you pray? And I gave him one simple answer, no. <laughs> and so from that day forward, I made a covenant with myself that I would never neglect to pray that God's spirit would fill the barn ever again. And so that's what I did. And, and I found myself a few months down the road praying in the barn, pacing. And I felt like God wanted me to pray for a salvation. So it, it just was like, pray for salvation, one person. And so I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. Lord, you know, whatever you want to do, just save someone tonight. Reveal to them your glory and your grace and your goodness. And so I'm thinking, dang, I got to do an altar call. I'm not really good at altar calls. Is my sermon going to be good enough? You know, am I going to be funny? Are kids going to like me? And so like all these thoughts are going through my mind. And an hour before youth group, two junior high girls walk in. And in typical junior high girl fashion, the one friend walks up and says, hey, um, my friend wants to give her life to Jesus today. And I think you guys need to talk. And I, I looked at said friend who was standing right next to her, and I said, is that you? Do you, do you want to talk? And she, she nodded her head. And so we went and we talked and we prayed for like 30 minutes, and it was amazing. And she gave her life to Jesus. And she's sitting in the front row right there, which is awesome. Um, and so guess what? I forgot about that prayer. Like, this was just a random moment to me. I, these two girls walk in, one gives her life to Jesus, random, until about halfway through youth group when my mind just exploded because I realized that, oh my gosh, God answered my prayer within an hour. It's amazing. And so I'm sure we, we all have stories like this. Uh, we, we all just have seen the incredible nature of God's redeeming grace, right? Have, have we all experienced that one time or another? They restore our trust in God. They bring wholeness to our soul. But yet I found a revealing statistic this week that said only 48% of Christians pray daily. That's less than one out of two of the people in here. And so I have a couple questions before we, we get into God's word this morning. The first is for the Christian, the believer who is in here. Do you trust God in prayer today in the same way that you trusted him to be your Lord and Savior. You remember that prayer that you prayed? Lord Jesus, come into my heart. 
Do you trust him to answer your prayers today in the same way that he answered that prayer with power and might? And for the non-Christian, I am so glad that you're here. I really am. So my question for you is, is if God answered your prayers, whatever stretch of life that you're in right now, if he answered that prayer today, what would that do for your faith in Jesus? In your heart of hearts, would you, would you believe that God is Lord and Savior? And so today, I would love for us to all look at 1 Kings 3, and here's how the format of this sermon is going to go. There's way too much for me to get at. We really will be here for an hour, but we're not going to do that, I, I assure you. Um, so what we're going to look at is we are going to look at Solomon's specific prayer in verses 6 um, through 9. And then we're going to take a big picture view of the events that happened before this prayer, just after, and then just after the just after, okay? So that's kind of how it's going to go. And then we're going to have a couple application points. Um, and I, I hope that this isn't just another sermon where you feel like the pastors are trying to tell you to do better, be a better Christian, um, because this is not that. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to my heart here. And my desire is that we would be people at Grace Anglican Church that desire more of the Holy Spirit and the, the good gifts that he gives us, that we would desire to enter into this devotion of prayer where we are daily being filled by the Holy Spirit. So don't take this as you need to pray better, you need to do this better, because that's not the gospel. That's not the truth. God makes us strong in our weaknesses. And so this sermon, I hope you hear, is far from be better, you need to pray more. And so let's, let's dig in. And I want to give you Solomon's prayer format. The first thing that he does, if you're taking notes, is he gives thanks for who God is. The second is that he recognizes his own weakness. The third is that he asks God for what he wants, what he needs in that moment. And then the fourth is he asks for the ability to live it out. Now let's flesh this out a little bit. Let's, let's look at verse six, the first portion. He gives thanks to God for who he is. And verse six says, ask what I shall give you. That's what the Lord says. Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And so Solomon gives God the reverence that he deserves, the glory that he deserves. Lord, you have been faithful to your covenant. You have shown me your great and steadfast love. And personally, I think Solomon is flabbergasted. Yeah, flabbergasted. That he is even sitting on the throne because of verse 1. Look at verse 1. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. Mosaic law which is what they went by in that day, immediately would say that Solomon is unclean and unfit to be king of Israel. And so now I know why God is giving thanks to this God who's being loyal to his covenant because Solomon's not even worthy to be king of Israel. And so he's coming to him in prayer and saying, thank you, Lord, 
because I don't even deserve this. And so the second part of his prayer is that he recognizes his own weakness. Verses 7 and 8 say, And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And so Solomon brings to light this weakness. Man, God, you've got me as king of Israel, but I'm just a little child. I don't even know the ins and outs of life, but I'm going to be ruling millions of people. Lord, help my weakness. And so we see Solomon recognize his own weakness. The first portion of verse 9, Solomon says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. Now, I found this verse interesting when I was doing my studies. And, and the actual words for Hebrew in the Hebrew language, which is which this was written in, um, understanding mind actually meant hearing heart. And govern meant judge. And so you could read it like this. Give your servant, therefore, a hearing heart to judge your people. Now, why in the world would Solomon be praying for a hearing heart? Didn't verse 3 Look at that. Didn't verse 3 say Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father? Why would he be praying for an increase of his heart, an increase of his hearing heart? Well, I think that Solomon knew something that we don't at this point in the scripture. I think he knew the state and the condition of his heart. See, he had already broken God's covenant. He had already broken the law of Moses which made him unfit, unclean. And so he's asking, Lord, I don't want to go down that path. I don't want to do what you've told me not to do. Lord, increase my hearing heart so that I can hear your voice and listen to you and do what you tell me to do. And so he asks for what he wants, which is the third. He asks for wisdom. He asks for a hearing heart. And so the fourth part of Solomon's prayer is that he asks for help to live it out, which is the most important thing. We can ask for many things, but if we don't live it out, it's in vain. And so the last portion of verse 9, this is what he says, so give me a hearing heart so that I can judge your people so that I may, be, I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this your great people. It's funny. (laughs) He asks for this discerning mind, this discerning heart, so that he can know the difference between good and evil, but yet his whole life shows that he wasn't able to do either. In fact, Solomon, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines and did the exact opposite of what the Lord told him to do. And his heart was tearing from the Lord. And the scriptures say that he clung to, to these women in love. And so no longer was his heart after God. And so I want to point out a couple things, looking at this in hindsight, and I I want us to all get in a blimp, okay? It's kind of like you're going above the Jaguar Stadium. You get to see what's going on in the parking lot. You get to see all the fans in the the stadium. You get to see the game going, what the referees are doing. And so that's kind of the view that we're going to look at this scripture now. And I want you to notice this because I believe that the pattern that's happened in Solomon's life 
is the same pattern that happens in our lives. And so this is the pattern. Somebody speaks a word into your life, and you pray that that would increase in your life. And then you get a chance to practice it, and then somebody affirms you in that. And what I'm specifically talking about for here in our context is spiritual gifts. And so the first thing, if you'll flip one page to the left, 1 Kings 2, verses 6 and 9, if you'll look at that with me. David, his father, speaks a word over Solomon's life, and that word is wisdom. Okay? So verse 6 says, Act therefore according to your wisdom. And then verse 9. Verse 9 says, Now therefore do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man. And so what does Solomon do with that? He prays. He prays that this wisdom, this hearing heart would increase in his life. And so we just looked at that in depth. And the the third step is that the Lord immediately provides a time to practice what you've been praying for. And so I I find it funny that right after in verse 16 of chapter 3, that two prostitutes come to Solomon and the story goes like this. They, they both had a baby, and one night, one rolled on the baby, and the baby died. And so there's only one baby and two prostitutes. And the mom whose baby died took the other woman's baby in the middle of the night. And so they, they can't figure out whose baby it is, and they go to Solomon. And they say, Solomon, this is the story. Can you, can you figure out whose baby this is? And so what does he do? He goes and he grabs a knife, and he says, all right, I'll figure this out. We're going to cut the baby in half. Great idea. Okay, so the lady, the mom whose baby it is, says, no, 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 we cannot do that. We cannot do that. But the lady whose, whose baby it wasn't said, oh yeah, let's, you take a half, I take a half, well, yeah, this will be okay. Like, what world would that work? And so Solomon says, okay, I know what's right. I know what's right. Truly you are the mother, and he gives the baby. And so he's, he's able to practice this newfound spiritual gift in his life. And then the fourth thing, if you flip one page over to chapter 5, verse 7, you'll see that a king of another nation affirms Solomon. And so verse 7 says, As soon as Hiram heard the words of Solomon, he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day who has given to David a wise son to be over this great people. That's the same pattern, guys, that that happens in our lives. Somebody says something, we think about it, we pray about it, then we practice it, and then hopefully, if it's God's will, somebody affirms it in our life. And so what in the world do we do with all this? Well, I think and I know That God has created each and every one of us in here in a special way. And he's given us personality traits and specifically spiritual gifts that are much different than the person that you're sitting next to in the sanctuary. And so what I want to do is I want to look at Luke 11, which is our gospel reading um, for this morning. And I want to look at how Jesus tells us to pray, which in fact is the same exact way that Solomon prays. You guys know the Lord's prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. We all know it. And it's the same exact setup of prayer that Solomon does. But I want to look at verses 9 of uh, Luke 11, 
9 through 13. And Jesus says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. In other words, bang down the doors of heaven with your requests. Pray until something happens. Have you guys ever heard that? Pray until something happens. Yes, no, whatever the answer is. Pray until something happens. That's what Jesus tells us to do. And so he says, for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a snake? That's just cruel. Can I just say that? I hope none of you ever do that, okay? I hate snakes and spiders. And then he says, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Listen, if I ordered a scrambled egg at Grumpy's and somebody brought a scorpion out, we're going to have problems. Let's be real. We're going to have problems. And so Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? And so in our prayer lives, what do we ask for? We ask for the Holy Spirit who gives good gifts. You guys remember if you surrendered your life to Jesus, do you remember that day when when the Spirit of God entered into your heart, entered into your hearing heart? Do you remember that? I'll never forget it. Sitting in Burger King, buy one, get one free chicken sandwich, milkshake that I didn't drink. You guys have heard the story. I'll never forget that day because that day I was the most full that I've ever been. I was the most whole that I've ever been because the Spirit of God entered and filled me and gave me more joy than anything in this world. And so what more do we need than the Holy Spirit? What more do we need than God? Maybe a better question is, what do we need to do to get this? Like, what do we need to do to receive the Holy Spirit? And I think the overwhelming answer is a hearing heart. You remember in Jesus' ministry, he's going all over Judea, Samaria, like all those places. And he would teach, and then he would say this, all who have eyes to see and ears to hear, hear this. Jesus was not talking about a physical seeing and a physical hearing. He was talking about, how's your heart? Do you have a hearing heart to hear this truth today? That everything you desire in this world can be fulfilled in this one prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Give me the Spirit of God. And so a hearing heart is all that we need. A life of prayer is the product of a hearing heart. And so I have, I have two applications, one for the Christian and one for the non-Christian this morning. And for the Christian, be fervent in prayer. The Apostle Paul tells us to not cease each day praying. Don't stop praying. Be in prayer, whatever it is. You're at a red light and you got to get to work in two minutes. Pray. Not that you'll get there in two minutes, but pray for the Spirit of God to increase in your life. Maybe you need patience. I don't know. So I would say this. Pray first 
for the Holy Spirit to increase in your life. And second, pray that the gifts that God has given you personally would increase in your life and that you would have time to practice them and do them. And then when you know that it's God's will, people will affirm you. For instance, my, I don't know how, but my spiritual gifts are evangelism, faith, and leadership. And so those are not the gifts that I gave myself in the spiritual gifts assessment, but those are the gifts that my wife and my grandparents have come alongside me and they say, okay, you say this about yourself. Well, this is what we see. And so honestly, when's the last time I prayed for evangelism, leadership, and faith to increase in my life? I don't think I ever have. But what happens if I do? What would that look like? And maybe you're thinking the same thing about yourself, or maybe you're thinking, I don't even know what a spiritual gift is. Like, how do I figure that out? Like, do I take a quiz on Facebook and it pops up these answers? Like, that's a great question. November 7th, we're having a class that is geared towards you finding your God-given purpose and your passion. And I would highly encourage that if you just have no idea what your spiritual gifts are, to go to that and begin to pray that those would increase in your life because God wants to use you for his kingdom breaking through on this earth. And those are the gifts that he's given you to do that. And so for the non-Christian, I'm so thankful that you're here because you get the opportunity to pray a prayer that is the most important prayer that you will ever say in your life. You get a chance to come to Jesus because of his work on the cross. You get a chance to ask for forgiveness. You get a chance to give up lordship. You get a a chance to receive healing, fullness, wholeness of life. You get a chance to receive the God of the universe. Don't worry about praying for your spiritual gifts. Don't worry about praying for all the stuff that we've talked about today. You need to pray that Jesus would be your Lord and Savior. And you have that opportunity today, right now, to say that if you want. If you have a hearing heart, because that's where it starts. The gospel does not fall on cold, hardened hearts. The gospel falls on soft, hearing hearts. So how is your heart today? Are you a Christian and your heart has been hardened? Pray for a hearing heart. Pray for a soft heart that the gospel would renew your life. So I I leave you with this quote from Ruth Graham. It said, pray when you feel like it, for it is a sin to neglect such an opportunity. Pray when you don't feel like it, for it is dangerous to remain in such a condition. A life of prayer truly is the product of a hearing heart, a soft heart, receptive to the gospel. Prayer is not something that we do before dinner or before we we put our children to bed when we wake up. Prayer is much more. Prayer is essential to our relationship with Jesus. So pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word, that it is true, 
and that it never returns void. So I thank you the way that you have taught your disciples to pray, the way that Solomon prayed. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us a more meaningful way to pray. I ask that my heart would be softened and receptive to your voice for the hearts of Grace Anglican Church and the visitors that they would also receive a softened heart so that they can be full of your spirit walking in the truths daily. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.